Hey folks, a quick editor's note from your friendly, friendly Captain Josh. My mic sounds a little funny because I was recording in my car during this interview with Ignasi. Accidentally got work scheduled in between the two things happening, so I apologize for that. Gonna clean up the best I can. Anyways, thank you for listening and back to the podcast. Welcome to the Tabletop Summary, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Listeners and voyagers, welcome to another episode of the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you here today. My name is Josh, and with me is my loyal, loyal co-captain, my number one and my number two. <laughs> I'm Andrew, and today's guest is Ignacy Trevacek from Portal Games and the Board Games Insider Podcast. Welcome to the show, Ignacy. Thank you for having me. Uh, hello, hello, everybody. Um, we know about you, and Josh is very, very familiar. He's been editing your podcast for a while now. So can you tell our listeners, though, who may not know your name, where what, what you're all about? So hopefully you at least played some of my games. So I'm a designer. I design games like Robinson Crusoe. This is my most renowned game. I design games Detective, Modern Crime Board Game, and I design Imperial Setters. These are my three most renowned games. Besides being game designer, I'm also a publisher. So I'm doing a publishing work. My company is called Portal Games. And we operate both in America as Portal Games US, and we operate in Poland here as a Portal Games uh, Poland, so this is it. And besides that, I'm uh, like most of your listeners, geek, freak, nerd, uh, role-playing gamer, miniature gamer, board game gamer. So yes, uh, I'm very active on social media, on Twitter, I'm doing TikToks, I'm doing all the crazy stuff because I'm exploding with my passion to board games. So I'm, I'm very, very vocal about what I just played, what I love, what I don't like. So yes, I'm a gamer who is very lucky to be a game designer and who is very lucky to work in the industry. I, I would say that you're more talented than lucky. And I think you also <laughs> have taken a space in the board game industry ahead of the curve. I think you, above others, really like to tell stories with your games. Uh, Robinson Crusoe was one of the most immersive storytelling games I've ever experienced. Um, what got okay. you into the storytelling aspect? Yes, yeah, so very standard story that is uh, I'm a teenager I read science fiction books and fantasy books I discover role-playing games like Summon of Us so I'm in my high school I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer and Call of Cthulhu and all these role-playing games and then I go to the college in college I found uh, I founded the game club and we were meeting twice a week playing role-playing games so this is like a standard story for Summon of Us uh, origin story uh, but then uh, because college was very boring for me, I decided I don't want uh, to be engineer. It sucks. And I founded company. And it was uh, like a very risky move. I dropped the college. Uh, I told my parents that uh, I'm not going to be engineer and I'm founding a game company. Uh, luckily, they didn't kill me. They told me, <laughs> okay, you have one year. They they gave me permission to one year. So I get, uh, like in Poland, in uh, college, you can take uh, like a one year holiday or vacation, like a break from the college, and then you go back. But of course, as we all know, after a year, I didn't get back to the college. I just I was publishing games and that stuff. And um, so 
the roots for my storytelling in board games is from role playing games. I was playing role playing games as a teenager. I was playing role playing games in in a, in, in a college, and then when I founded Portal Games for the first almost ten years of the of the company here in Poland, we were publishing role playing games. Like uh, we did uh, design three role playing games. We released a lot of uh, expansions for role playing games. Uh, I wrote and designed the unofficial. A campaign for a Warhammer role-playing game, so a uh, lot of stuff. And then I discovered board games, and then I took all my experience from role-playing games, and I tried to mix it with board games. And uh, and then Robinson Crusoe and other games uh, were designed, and uh, I created this uh, tagline for my company: "Board games that tell stories." So it was my me merging board games, which I love, and role-playing games, which is my roots. And we're so thankful you did actually. Thank you for for failing slash dropping out of college. We really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. What does Portal Games have coming up on the docket here soon? Uh, so we are now preparing for the game found campaign for the game Forgal. And Forgal is, believe it or not, the most popular, the best-selling comic book in Europe. Nobody heard about it in, in America, which is super fun because we we are really creating a very complex marketing campaign because on one hand we are talking to all the people in Europe who know that IP, know the comic, they love the comic, they love the story and they want this board game and we're creating marketing for the you guys in America, never heard about the comic book, have no clue about the story and just want to hear about the board game. So it's very funny, it's very perplexing experience, but Forgal is an adventure game, but it is a I want to say it very carefully. I would say it is like Robinson Crusoe, but not in terms like it has a rules like Robinson Crusoe. It is like Robinson Crusoe in a way that it is a sto- solid Euro game with a solid mechanism, a challenging gameplay, but it tells a story. In the in that in that regard, it is like a Robinson Crusoe. So in Forgal, you have four characters. You pick one of the characters. You have a se- seven different scenarios. Each scenario has a different story. Uh, so you have this experience like we do at Portal Games, board games tell stories, but it's a heavy challenging euro game like you are going to lose a lot if you don't think like if you don't plan your actions if you are, we need these resources we need to be in this space this sorcerer is dangerous so we need to upgrade our combat like you have to plan to execute the plan so very strange very unique hybrid game storytelling and the challenging complex uh, euro game mechanism i'm very proud of it now we yesterday, as we are recording yesterday, we published the rulebook. So we showed the rules of the game for the for the public on the first day of the campaign on GameFound. We will um, provide for the all the possible backers. We will provide a tabletop simulator uh, mode so you can play the game. So you can check if it's interesting for you. And as I said, if you like uh, stories, scenarios, but you're a Euro gamer, you want the, like not just rolling dice, like think what to do it might be a good game for you if you prefer just dungeon crawlers and killing monsters which i love if this is not game for you look for another campaign <laughs> well you got me hooked i'm very interested and i think that we've seen from gloomhaven and frosthaven there's a market for storytelling with euro mechanics and so you're stepping up to the next level what it sounds like and i love this idea of taking an ip that half the world knows about and loves and another half is oblivious to. So I'm looking forward to exploring this and finding out more about it. So how, how do you, Ignasi, go about choosing what games go into the portal lineup? 
the catalog? Because you have lots of a wide variety of your own designs, other designers' designs. When you're picking and choosing games, how do you choose which one goes into the prestigious lineup for Portal games? Yeah, and this is this is a great question. This is a very difficult question. So, uh, for years we tried to be this board game that tells stories. Focus if the game has a great theme, it it tells a story, and it has a solid mechanism. But then, like yes, last year we released a two-player game called Basilica, and I'm be honest, this is an abstract. There is no story. Like we pretend there is a story. There is a cover. Yeah, yeah, but there is no freaking story in this in this game. So of course. Once again, I want the, the our our fans, the people who love our brand, knows that every time we publish the game, it will have a very thematic uh, gameplay. But sometimes we just find the prototype; it is submitted to us, and we see, okay, screw the tagline; it's amazing. <laughs> so, but but yeah, uh, in most cases, I want a game that has a solid uh, Euro mechanism that it is uh, there is a meat on these bones. But everything we do is very thematic. So, for instance, there is a great designer that I admire, respect, and love, but I will never publish his game, most likely. For instance, Stefan Feld. Yes, he has great, great games. He's a great designer. I have a couple of games of his in my collection, but this is not a designer that Portal Games will publish. I respect him. I want other publishers to, to publish his games. I will buy these games, but it's not somebody that I want to have in our catalog. And on the other hand, if Eric Lang comes to me with the game. This is the guy that, yes, he makes a game that tells the stories, all this blood rage and all these amazing games. This is the type of the games that we are doing. So I want you, I, I said I, in a couple of articles and essays I wrote, at the end of a game that has a log of Portal games, I want you not only to know that you got 100 victory points and you won, I want you that you achieved something. Whatever it was, you were storming the castle and you lose or lose, or you were building a village or you were like you're surviving on the island, you may go to your wife and say, I just died on the island. <laughs> and this is like something that you may say to say to her instead of I just lost by 10 points. So each of the games that we are doing, victory points is important, but the story also. That's, I think you're really nailing it on the head with it then. Because yes. all of your story, all your games, all the stories you tell, very thematic. Um, like from the most part, but it wasn't really thematic, that. but like Empires of the North, super thematic game. Gutenberg has a very, you know, grasping theme and stuff like that. Oh, Eleven, yeah. whoever, I'm, I'm pushing Eleven because I think there should be more sports games out there. Eleven yes. is also a very, a very gripping theme of managing a sports team. So I think you're nailing on the head with that, Nasi. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That is this. Our goal is uh, what drives me to come to the work is to go to the meet with the development, how we can do it better, how we can uh, improve the game. But then I see, like with the 11 you just mentioned, like I don't know if you noticed, there is so many reports on uh, Facebook groups, people who said, I played, and they they write two paragraphs of the text, what happened in the club. Like, uh, I was fired, and then that happened, and we transferred the player, and then I had an injury. Like, there's not many other board games that people just make a session report because they are so excited what happened. And uh, Eleven provides that. Like, you, you, you want to win this match, but you get injury, and then you have a... Amazing stuff. Uh, kudos. I'm no designer. I can honestly say I love the game. I, I, I was just a, <laughs> a publisher. The game is done by the um, Dutch designer Thomas Johnson. He made amazing job. He gave me this uh, prototype of the game as a gift. I don't know if you heard the story. Uh, he, he is a huge fan of Robinson Crusoe. And he created this prototype for himself. 
and he was uh, printing it uh, like a small print like print run like 50 copies and he was selling it from his website and because he loves robinson crusoe he wanted to give me his design as a gift so he gave it to me at essen i came back from essen i played this game at home i said oh my god this is freaking amazing <laughs> where is this dude where is this dude and i found his card uh, i reached him and i said thank you for the gift i love it are you looking for the publisher and here we are two years later, the game is officially released. Uh, so I honestly loved it from the first game I had, and I'm very proud that I published it. And yes, if you like uh, sports games, managing the sports club, whatever it is, a uh, basketball or baseball or, or football or soccer, uh, it has this feeling like you're managing the whole big organization and things are happening. Well, it's been on my radar and I've been meaning to check it out. You just amped up my need to try it out immediately. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I need to have an interview like a big national-wide uh, television. I will have so much bigger print run, so just put me in front of a camera and I will sell uh, some I'll stuff. see what I can do. Yeah, we're working <laughs> on it. Well, my instruments are getting primed up, ready to go. Let's say we head into our pre-launch and talk about what we've been playing recently. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. In the pre-launch, we talk about one game we have been playing recently and how we, you know, felt about it. How we are, you know, what, what our thoughts are on this game. So, Andrew, how about you start it off, us off first? Yeah, I've been playing Smartphone Inc. Um, this is a game from Arcane Wonders. This is an economic uh, strategy game. What's interesting about this game is that it is about manipulating your little smartphone tablet tableau there and covering up certain symbols and making certain symbols show up. And then you get resources based on how you lay that out. Then those resources also dictate how the market sits with the cost of your phone. So the price can go up or down depending on how things are sitting in your, your little smartphone tablet layout. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I think it plays okay for two, but now that I own it, I got to try it at four. I really want to see how this competitive market-driven game of basically... Um, it's area control with a little bit of like take daddy, jump in front of people, take spots kind of thing. Um, it's really interesting. I've played two plays and I'm enjoying it. So it's pretty solid. I like it. I want to warn you because I, I, I'm a Polish publisher of this game. So I played it many times, a Polish edition. In a four players variant, you are going to cry <laughs> a lot. People will block you, will screw you. Like it's going to be tough. There's a three people who want to screw you at the table. It's amazing. It's a very good game, but very tough. I was going to say, I think that's where the strength of the game is, though. With, without the blocking, the yep. game just feels like yep. you're just kind of doing your thing. And it's not that it's not that it's not strategic. It's just not competitive the way I want it to be. So looking forward a yeah, little the, more. The, the, the things they do with like you either have a lot of these phones very cheap and you just flow the market with <laughs> cheap right. stuff and oh my god this you can you can screw other players in so many ways a great game I strongly recommend it as well. Excellent. Well, that brings me to you. What is your pick of the uh, pre-launch? I'm op I'm obsessed with uh, in a few last days I'm obsessed with the Frostpunk, uh, the game from Awaken Realms, uh, created by Polish designer Adam Kwapiński. And Frostpunk, in some regard, reminds me Robinson Crusoe, my own design. It is a game that is a cooperative game based on the IP Frostpunk, the video game. In this game, you are living in a small settlement. Winter 
cold, everything is frozen, and you have this uh, big generator that generates energy and uh, and heat, but you don't have a coal, you don't have a wood, you have thickness, you have uh, no enough food. So this is like a ongoing three hours disaster. <laughs> oh, this is like for three hours you are just crying. We don't have enough food and the heat, and you are struggling. And what the Adam designer made a, a masterpiece is that in every round. At the beginning of the round, you feel like, okay, this is the last round. We are going to, to, to be dead. Like, we will not make it. And then you brainstorm and you discuss at the table and, oh, so let's do this. And, hey, this will save us. And you come up with a plan and you barely survive this round. And the next round starts and you say, okay, now we are going to die. And then once again, you debate, you come up with these ideas and you survive one more round. And it is like a round after round trying to survive, trying to do a goals. Uh, brilliant design if you are a fan of Robinson Crusoe you should check out the Frostpunk I played seven times over the past two weeks so a lot of games in I have not won a single game of Frostpunk yet so this game pieces me a lot uh, but I will win it at some point uh, very good uh, design from Polish designer and Polish, Polish publisher uh, Frostpunk. I don't know if it is already released in English or not. In Polish, it is already released. Well, that I think is a signal of a great game. Is anytime you lose consistently yet have an amazing time playing, that is automatically yep. a great design. This yep. is a giant table hog too. Like there is a ton of stuff coming with this game, and I'm really happy this game is actually succeeding in a lot of ways because there's always that stigma that video games don't translate well into board games and you know there is some truth behind that and there hasn't been really a huge massive success in my opinion of a game of a board video game to board game in lots of ways but i think frostpunk is setting a good way and a good like cobble path towards taking video games and putting them in to board games so i'm really happy that you like it as well Ignacy. josh what have you been playing so I got the chance to sit down and play a terrifying little game with a block of cheese with hairy legs called Cubitos. <laughs> and don't forget the Lederhosen. I, oh my gosh, that is that is just the strangest cover I've ever seen in my entire. Maybe that was the point to look it at it. Your and attention, think, yes, it does. I mean, when do you see a Lederhosen piece of Swiss with hairy legs? Abnormally hairy legs. <laughs> well, anyway, besides that, Cubitos is a racing game. This is a push-your-luck racing game where you are little blocks of, like, sheep and other things. It's barely a theme, but you're basically racing around this little track and rolling dice and trying to be the first one to cross the finish line after a certain number of laps. It's akin to deck building, but instead you are dice building, dice pool building. And so as you play the game and roll the dice, you'll get coins. With those coins and those credits, you will use to buy other dice, which have all different abilities and things of that nature. Some let you, if you push your luck more, you get to move forward more. Some give you extra money. Some give you more abilities to move faster. It really is a diverse group of dice that you can build. You roll, you keep pushing your luck. There's an opportunity where if you keep rolling and you roll all blanks, you bust and you lose your entire turn. And that really sucks. But there's a fan track that kind of gives you a, Kind of a you know consolation prize for doing that. I really love this game. This oh is, wow! I, I really love it. No, it's fantastic. Like I don't like two racing games are hard for me because at two players I feel like they're not quite exciting. I sat down and played this with my wife. I was on the edge of my seat for like the whole time. You know, That's rolling great. the dice. Look, it's it's because there's that push your luck element. I think John Declare does a really good job with dice games. There's the whole place where you're rolling your dice. Like oh, I could catch up. I need to push two more. 
I'm gonna push. I'm gonna push one more time. I will all blank suck that you get angry, but you have only yourself to blame, and things like that. And so I, I really enjoy this. You know, you pick nine dice out of your pool of dice, and that pool's gonna grow. So you have to really think about what dice you're picking. You have to roll them, and as you roll them, you apply them to your active dice pool, and then you activate those abilities if you choose to stop and pass your turn. Right. And I with there's over like there's over like 54 different types of cards for each of the dice that you have in the game. So the variability is there. And lots of different tracks, but like it's just such a clever little movement system. There's different places on the board where if you stop it, you gain a bonus, but all those bonuses are on the outside of the track, which gives you incentive not just to curve to the inside. And it's it really is such a well-designed racing game that I enjoy it two players. Two player racing games for me are super hard to come by, and this is fantastic at it. So if you haven't played Cubitos yet, I highly recommend it. I can't wait to get to my table again. Cubitos by John DeClaire. Awesome. These are all great picks, but I think it's time for the meat of the show. I agree, Andrew. I agree. Ignacio, are you ready for the dive? Yes, I am. Ignacy, good sir. Regale us with tales of your. Share with us your story. First of all, you're asking me about uh, the most uh, memorable uh, experience. I'm playing board games like for 20 years, so like <laughs> it wasn't easy to right. pick. Okay, I I went for one of these uh, wheel of board games for all these amazing moments. So of course, each of us has a ton of these moments. I picked the one that I think I can. I can uh, explain uh, in a nice way because for all of you who are listening, you already know I'm not a native speaker, so my English is not the best. Oh, so I need to. It's plenty good. I need to find the stories that I can. Yes, yes thank you. Um, the 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 memory that happened the last year, I played the game Nemesis, which accidentally is from the same publisher, Awaken Realms, and from the same designer, Adam Kwapinski, which was not planned, uh, but Frostpunger released really this two weeks ago. And so Nemesis is a game that, uh, for all of you who don't know, I doubt it, uh, is like an alien the board game. Like right. basically, you are on the uh, on the spaceship and you're heading home, uh, and things start to happen. And this is the game uh, with the makings of the semi cop. So we are trying to go home together, but each of us has a secret goal to try to achieve, and the secret goals quite often are opposite to each other. Like is so there is always a betrayal and all the bad things are happening. So not only we are fighting aliens, not only we are fighting malfunctions of the spaceship, we are fighting uh, each other. And accidentally, when we were starting the game, uh, I picked the character that was the uh, main officer, like the the boss, the, the, main, the main character of the, of the spaceship. And... Uh, Somehow it clicked, like uh, my old role-playing game roots uh, came in, and I said, everybody shut up. No fooling around. No stupid goals. Like, and I started yelling at them like it was a role-playing game session. And uh, luckily, these uh, fellow players uh, played the role. Like, say, yes, boss. And suddenly, this semi-cop game changed into like a role-playing game session without the game master, because we were playing against the game. So the game was a game master. But I was yelling at them. I was saying, and, and in the Nemesis, at some point, there's this phase where each player, because we start with the two secret goals, and at some point, after a couple of rounds, each player has to discard one of the goals. So we are in this phase. I'm looking 
at every single player right into the eyes side, don't you even dare to pick a goal that would make us a trouble. And they everybody just discarded the goal that were bad for the us. They kept only the goals that were positive for the team. And we started to try to survive honestly like a full cop. So I played against the rules. I played not as Adam Kwapiski designer intended. I don't care. I had a blast. It was us, four of us trying to survive on this stupid ship. All of us trying to survive against these aliens. And the game is balanced the way. I don't know how if you guys play the game, the game is balanced the way that these aliens are killing everybody. And that's why it is a semi-cop that maybe one player will survive, maybe one player will, will, will win the game. I changed it on the fly as a cop. I said, no semi-cop. We all are going to survive. So I made it so much harder because we help together. This guy is wounded. All of us, we go there. We need to pick him up. There is a malfunction in the spaceship. Guys, we need to fix it. Everybody on board with that. Amazing two hours or maybe three hours experience uh, cross of a role-playing game and a board game. Uh, but this is for sure something I will remember till end of my life. Like it was, it was an amazing game night. But kudos to the rest of the players who you know played played along. Like they said, yes, we are going to survive together. And there was this amazing one because at some point we were so into the theme, so into the way we want to play yeah. this game that plays well. I will sacrifice. I will save him. And we see this other player, and the, one of the players says, "I will fight the alien queen, but I will stop her. You run before, and I will stop her." And he sacrifices. And this is not a role playing. This is a stupid board game. He is going there. His character is dying. We are almost weeping, uh, looking what's happening. And we will survive for you. We will win this game for you. And he's dying. And so yes, playing sometimes board games. And adding a little bit more to increase experience, whatever it is a soundtrack, whatever yeah. it is a dim lights, whatever it is like a playing in the role. I always say, the more you put in, the more you Just get like out. Life. Uh, and yeah, and with this Nemesis game, we put a lot. We were just crazy. But for all four of us, it is something that we'll remember for, for, for forever. Uh, us trying to survive in this crazy Nemesis game that was designed to kill players, uh, but we hope that we will survive. We will not. We, we didn't survive. We, we we get killed. The fire, the problems, the aliens, uh, but it was amazing. So this is one of uh, many but the great memories I had with board games. I am a geek. I love my board games. I love my role playing games. I love my friends. And we'll just go ahead and say thank you to Ridley Scott for starting off that whole thing. Right? That's awesome. <laughs> that that is that is that is true. I with Ridley Scott. I remember me in a college. Uh, of course, I'm watching Alien. Of course, I'm a loving Alien. And I said to my dad, "Hey, dad, you need to see this movie. It's amazing." And uh, next day, my dad said, "Never ever recommend the movie to me." <laughs> uh, he was scared. He was scared to death. The alien is a really scary movie. And uh, my dad was freaking out uh, watching what's happening. So, yeah, that was a great recommendation, but he didn't want to hear anymore. I mean, you uh, know, from... Alien, in essence, like, people think it was like a sci-fi movie. It really is just a horror movie yeah. set in. It's straight up just a horror movie with a slasher movie with an yeah. alien backdrop, sci-fi backdrop. It's it's amazing, and yeah, and the game is amazing. Well, I would say this about it. I think one of the things that makes it brilliant is it takes the horror genre and kind of makes it smarter it adds a little bit of that hitchcockian 
kind of like, I don't know where it is and I don't know what powers it has and I don't know what it can do. And all of a sudden it's just sneaking up on us and taking us out. And that's what I think what makes that game movie so amazing is how it resonates with people in different levels. People who don't like horror like that film. People who don't like sci-fi yep, like that so. film. So that's pretty amazing. That's and so. then for a designer to take that element of those things and bring it to a board game is another level of ingenious. So um, you are actually the second guest who's told us their favorite story of all time is that game. So that is awesome. an amazing, amazing accomplishment on a number of different levels. So are you yeah. a big horror movie fan then, Ignasi? Uh, no, I'm scared. I like uh, <laughs> I watched Alien because I'm a geek, sci-fi geek, but it's exactly what you just said. It it takes horror fans and sci-fi fans, so I watch it because I'm a sci-fi fan. But no, no, I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of flying. I'm scared <laughs> of many things, and I'm scared of horrors. I'm not watching them. My wife is watching them, and I'm saying, no, no, I will just you know play video game you watch. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were sitting at this table... And you, uh, your players and you and your table pretty much bought into, I think, what is it called? Like the magic circle, people call it, of a board game. They mm -hmm. pretty much bought directly into it. Do you think that was more of the players doing it or was the game con doing it really well? Like, I, I think that we wanted, we as a players, wanted to highlight every moment of the game. So every rule that happened, every event that we you know drew and something happened, we were like highlighting it and we were playing with it and we were making out of it uh, even a bigger story. So as I said, uh, there is a queen alien coming in one of the corridors and is it just an event? But one of the players says, I will stop her. You run. And so like he's adding to the experience. Yes. So I would say that it was a perfect match of uh, players using the game rules to create a great experience. And uh, it was perfect match. Yeah, I, I think just hearing what you're talking, I think it's a mixture of having a player group who wants to buy into it and having a game that conduits that. So in what your guys' opinion, from you and Andrew, I have my own thoughts, but I'll share a little later. How does a game help players be dragged into that circle? What, do, what, what are the qualities of a game that helps you do that? Well, one, I think it requires toughness, toughness of choices, toughness of accomplishment, right? Like if it's difficult for you to do the thing, it becomes more thematic. If it's easy to do the thing, then I think you can get lost in just the mechanism. And, you know, one of the things I think about a lot when I design games is the illusion of choice, right? Like if there's an obvious answer, it's actually not a choice. You're just doing what is the optimal move. So you need to have situations where a choice is deterministic. And then once you have that deterministic, players can then play into where that choice comes from. That's where I think your role playing can show up is the, do I do this for me? Do I do this for the group? Do I do this because my character would do it? Do I do this because I would do it, right? And those choices then lead to more storytelling, which is where this comes from. Uh, that said, I think that the game itself has to have storytelling elements, has to have things in it that you can tell a story from. If I'm pushing this cube over here and that gives me victory points, how am I going to do that story? But if it's me hiring three workers and those workers have to spend the whole day and eat twice as much food from my table in order to bring stone from this quarry over to that basilica, then that's a little bit more of a story, right? So there's different aspects of that, but I think it has to be multi-intended. 
with 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 Empires of the North, you mentioned Empires of the North earlier. There is this uh, one of the clans, uh, Viking clans, uh, clans, and we created a rule that is a uh, in terms of the rules is a very simple. When you use a worker, he's uh, spent. You cannot use him anymore. One 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 use workers, but we added the theme for that, and we said this is a Viking clan uh, clan who likes to party. They're always drunken, and when you spend him in a in a pub, he's done. <laughs> like, he, he's sleeping. And suddenly, players love this this club because now they understand that in terms of the mechanism, of the euro mechanism, mm -hmm. this user worker is done. But we, when we told them he's drunken, everybody now understands what's going on. They are making right. jokes, they are making a, a funny comments, and suddenly the team shows up because we merge the rule with the nice, nice theming, and then you see the stories, and then you have all these uh, stupid trash talk at the table, etc., etc. I really, yeah, it's, I mean, it's those kind of tiny things that really bring out the theme in games. And I think it's experiences like yours, Ignasi, that I really believe that people who maybe haven't, who are like casual gamers, become geek. Like, it's, like, if they can sit down, they can play Onitama. Onitama's fantastic, no, no knock against it at all. But it's like, you know, it's an abstract. You know, you're playing, oh, this is great. This is what hobby games is. Okay, I'll play, like, Ticket to Ride. I'll play Carcassonne, games that I love with all my heart. But when they sit down and they have these experiences where, you know, Ignacy takes over and everyone's buying to that we are on a ship, we are going to get hunted by aliens and we're probably going to die, but we're going to go out like fighters. That's when they realize what gaming, what tabletop gaming could be. And I don't, I don't think lots of gamers realize that. And they try to push, you know, as great as like maybe games like Brass Birmingham or Spirit. Brass Birmingham is... You know, it looks super cool. It's not the most thematic game. There's lots of things going on to it, but you try to show them that, and it, it might scare them away a little bit because it's it's not very thematic. You know, that, that that's a one man's opinion. But no, no, this very interesting point you are making because uh, one thing that confuses me over uh, over years is that when I talk with the fans uh, over the conventions, I'm, I'm meeting fans all all over the time. There's so many people who approach me and tells me. Robinson Crusoe was their first modern board game. And I say, dude, really? 40 pages rulebook? It was your first board game? Why not Ticket to Ride or Catan? And they say, no, no, we just Googled the board games, Robinson Crusoe, we bought it. It was tough at the beginning. Rulebook was very, very difficult, but we loved it. And they became geeks, mm -hmm. which is exactly what you said. Like, they played Robinson Crusoe. They were struggling. They were dying on this island, but the story was there. The challenge mm -hmm. was there. And they said, we love modern board gaming. And they become geek, and then I meet them at the conventions, and they are fans of Portal games and other games. So, uh, speaking about Onitama, it's a great game, but it may be your point that okay, it's a great game. It's like a chess. It's like a other other game. So it is not mind blowing for them. It's a nice experience, but it, it didn't make me right. a board gamer. If you survive the island on the Carson Island on Robinson Crusoe, you are oh my god, these modern board games are freaking amazing. Are there mm -hmm. any other? And they start. Researching. I agree with that, but I also want to say that there are different tastes for different people, right? So somebody plays Robinson Crusoe who doesn't like the storytelling or doesn't like it to be difficult is then going to go the opposite direction, which is unfortunate. So, yes, they would say, I'm yeah, done. And so yeah. I think it's about helping people find what they want, right? Finding, not necessarily knowing what they need, but giving them options and letting them pick what presents to them, which is what cover art does in the world right like when you walk into a game store and you see all these different games 
I'm going to gravitate towards something because it's based on the theme or something that I think is beautiful or something that's interesting or something like that. And that helps you pick a game that might be something you'll enjoy more. I've met several people who aren't theme gamers, but they like a game more if the theme is something they already like. So that also drives people into them. So, of course, people who like Robinson Crusoe or Castaway stories would probably gravitate toward your game and then get a chance to play that and enjoy it. It's just a matter of, I think, so, so how is, good the game is and how it showcases. But this inter very interesting point that you are making with the cover, that uh, somebody comes to the game store and he just doesn't know what he wants, so he is looking at the cover. So with the cover for Detective, uh, the game I released in 2018, uh, I don't know if you noticed, this cover looks completely different from all other covers from uh, our yes. portfolio. We didn't hire the artist. We always have an amazing artist. This cover doesn't have an artist. It's a stock photo, and it's done on purpose, what we did. We did the research how crime novels look like on the bookshelves. Like we, So when you go to the Barnes mm -hmm. & Nobles and you see all the covers of the crime novels, Detective is a copy of that because we figured out if somebody likes crime novels, he likes this style of the covers, so he will pick the detective. So this game completely doesn't match our catalog in terms of the visuals, but it talks to the people who read a lot of crime novels. I love that. That makes so much sense. So to kind of round out this conversation, Ignacy and Andrew, us geeks, us, us hobbyists, what can we do better to help invite people into this magic circle, whether it be something like Detective, something like Robinson Crusoe, something like Brass Birmingham, and things like that. What can we do? What can the, the hobby itself do better help bring people in? I think it's just share the passion that you have with the people that are nearest to you, and then let those people become advocates on our behalf as well. I think it's bringing people in is all about showing and helping experience the love that you have or the joy that you have in these things. And if those people then see the love that you have, then maybe they give it a try and they give it a real try, not just a, oh, sure, I'll show up for game night and I'll suffer through it or whatever not. But I also feel like it's important to say that, you know, there's what, 5,000 games coming out a year? So there really truly is a game for everyone out there. I mean, even if you just go through the old catalog of games from three, four years ago to today, that's what, 20,000 games? I mean, that's ridiculous. So because of that, I think it's just a matter of letting people know, hey, if this wasn't for you, totally okay. You never have to play this game again. But I have on my shelf 50 other games. Let's go pick something else out and try that out too. Yeah, and I would follow up with exactly what you just said and follow up with the situation that you listen, uh, your future fellow players, so you, if they said they didn't like it, exactly, don't impose this game. You say, okay, I have other other games. If you see that he or she played the game and uh, he or she loved the card mechanism, she was playing with the cards all the time, but she didn't like the dice, this is a message for you. So show her or him a card game. So listen and try to help them understand their taste because you know about the tasters. You know all about the board game. You know about all these different games. They don't know about their taste yet. So help them discover what they like in the board gaming. Awesome. Speaking of taste, I will stand by the fact that I think Aliens, the sequel, is better than Alien. And I'm excited for the new Nemesis game that's going to be more like Aliens. Just, just saying, like, I mean, that's just, have you, I mean, have you played a, like the sequels to Nemesis, Agnostic, like Nemesis Lockdown or anything? 
lockdown, not yet, not yet. It's a release in, uh, in in Poland a couple of months ago, but I haven't uh, have a copy yet. Yeah. Well, I'm excited because they're going to release a. They they said they're going to release like an aliens more like you know, shoot them up, shoot them up type type story, which I really enjoyed. Yep. The second yep. aliens game, so I'm really glad. Well, we are really deep down in the nemesis C, as we're going to call it, the nemesis C, the geeking C of board gaming. So how about we go? Let's turn on our sonar and see what's in our future. Okay, in our segment on the sonar, we talk about one game we are looking forward to playing in the future. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Andrew, what are you looking forward to playing? So my wife is a huge fan of Everdell. We've been enjoying it for a long time. We ordered the complete collection, which showed up, and uh, it is a monster box. And one of the reasons we picked up the complete collection is not only because we love the game, but also because it had some expansions in it, which we had not heard of or got a chance to try yet. So I am looking forward to trying out the New Leaf and the Mistwood expansions. What the New Leaf brings is a train. So for those people who love Ticket to Ride, now you got a train. Um, and then those people who also like creepy, crawly, spider things, the Mistwood involves. And apparently what that does is it creates a third player at the table for a two-player game experience, which my wife and I pretty much play exclusively two players. So this allows us to have uh, basically a third AI at the table that does some things. So I don't know entirely about it, but I am looking forward to it. Josh, what do you got on your sonar? The Free Sisters! Yay! So in my continuation with actually giving Royal and White a chance, starting with Fleet the Dice Game, I have Good. picked up both Motor City and Three Sisters from Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, the Lords of Roll and Write, as I call them. Three Sisters is a Roll and Write game where you are gardening and trying to plant corn, squash, and beans, known as the Three Sisters. And I think they were saying Native American cultures? Like, they, they basically help each other grow in lots of ways. Yeah. I am excited. I read the rule book, and I was getting ready to play it. My wife said, baby's been crying all day. We're not going to play it tonight. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just <laughs> sitting on this, waiting to play i am uh, this i get so excited with these games because when i when i have a game that maybe a game genre i generally don't like like rolling rights and i find something i'm really excited about i am more amped than usual because i love giving these games a chance and finding like because you know I, i've played a good amount of roll rights and i have like most of them but these ones i love and it's by designers i love so i'm just like super amped to get this to the table i've been reading the rule book over and over again and when i finally have a chance to sit down and play it i'm hoping it's tonight Tonight being Wednesday, March 15th, that I play Three Sisters. That's what's on my sonar. Ignacy, what do you got coming up? I'm a, I'm a waiting for a deliver of the Kickstarter for the game. Thunder Road is from the Restoration Games. And this is the new edition of the game that was apparently very popular yep. in America. I was not kidding America, so I have no clue. Uh, you guys you guys might confirm. I played the... Uh, the old version of the game when I was in America visiting uh, uh, Gen Con and friends of me invited me for the game night and they told me, Ignacy will show you the old game from 70s. It's stupid, it's fun, yeah. you're going to love it. And indeed, it was stupid and fun and I loved it. So when the Restoration Games announced the Kickstarter, I said, I need a stupid game in my collection and this one will be Thunder Road. So I backed in uh, and I cannot wait to see my wife face when i show her this game with the plastic plastic cards shooting each other uh gonna be fun so uh, it is a, a very specific game because you need to know what you expect yes. from this game because it's like just blowing stuff just super silly stuff 
But if you know what you want to get from this game, we just discussed it about and Nemesis, I will invite my friends. I will say, guys, this is just shooting each other, having fun, and not much strategy. Just enjoy and blow each other. going to be amazing. So, yeah, Thunder Road from Restoration Games. Uh, I cannot wait for uh, this Kickstarter to be delivered to my so home. It, they're just continuing the theme of loving games that are based on movies, right? So Thunder Road is essentially Mad Max, right? So that's what that is. And that's yep. pretty great. And I think they did a really great job restoration like they normally do of updating it, tweaking the rules a little bit to make it more modern, but also bringing incredible artwork to it. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, visuals amazing. Yep. I'm really glad that stupid is making a comeback in today's day and age as a positive <laughs> term. I really am. Like, I wish it was like people think stupid for a long time has been such a negative connotation in the English language. I'm glad it's coming back. Like, this game is stupid and I love it. Like, Zombie Dice. I, stupid game. Absolutely love it. It's a stupid good game. Yep. I'm really glad. Games are for fun. Games exactly. are for fun. Absolutely. Stupid fun. Awesome. Well, it's really, you know, we're, we're starting to run out of oxygen here in this top submarine. So let's shoot back up and let, we'll drop Agnosti off in Poland again. Ignacy, thank you so much for giving some of your time today. We know you're a busy guy and coming up on our on our little podcast and giving of your time and telling us some stories. If people want more Portal games or Ignacy or if you have any other projects you want us to share about, have, have some time to do that. Yeah, so obviously you can... The, the easiest way to find me and find uh, my company is just go to our website, portalgamesus.com. And at portalgamesus.com you will find... Our web store, you will find the links to our YouTube, you will find the links to our twi uh, Twitter and TikTok, etc. etc. So, this is the easiest way. If you are good with uh, spelling, you can try to find my personal blog, which uh, stands at ignacytrzewicek.com. Good luck putting that in your Internet Explorer, uh, but you can try. So yes, I have my personal blog where I write about game design. I write funny stories from my game session. So if you like to read about board gaming, it would be ignacytrzewicek.com. But if you want to see what Portal Games has in store, what we have in promotions, what the amazing goodies and playing mats and other stuff we have, go to portalgamesus.com and you will learn about everything that we are doing. If you are active on Twitter, I'm at Trzewik and most likely you are already following me. Uh, so yes... Uh, I'm everywhere, basically. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my passion. I'm spreading my passion on all social media, and I love it. Awesome. I can honestly say the hobby would not be the same thing without you, Ignacy. So from one fan I to another, and you. as, as your editor for your podcast, thank you for all that you do. Thank you. Well, listeners, that has been that's the conclusion of another voyage on today's episode. As always, my name is Josh. And I'm Andrew. And this has been the Tabletop Submarine.